We are in Genesis 49 this morning. You could turn in your Bible, Genesis 49. We are, have been in a series in the book of Genesis entitled, Not Alone. You know, even though people don't always know what the future holds, the future occupies so much of our attention, doesn't it? What the future holds. From the youngest ages, kids, they talk about what they want to be when they grow up. And then as you know, they kind of get a little closer to that, they start thinking about, oh, am I going to get married? Am I going to have kids? What's my career? And then once that gets settled, then there becomes more future things. As people pursue goals in the future or look forward to, to certain aspects of life, There's so much motivation that comes from a bright future. And there is so much discouragement that comes from a bleak future. Well, here in Genesis 49, Jacob is 147 years old. We have watched over many chapters him over many years, and now he is at the end of his life. Joseph is in his mid-fifties. The brothers, the sons, they're all grown up. And as Jacob nears death, what is going to happen to this family? What's the future of this family? Well, based on what we've seen so far, uh, it does not look like a bright future. There have been some glimmers But this family has a lot of sin. So Simeon and Levi, they, if you recall, they used the sign of the covenant in order to trick and deceive an entire clan of people and kill them. The sons of Shechem. Uh, Reuben, he tried to seize family leadership by taking his father's concubine. The ten brothers sold Joseph into slavery. The brother Judah was so sex-crazed that he mistakenly hired his daughter-in-law, Tamar, as a prostitute. God has already put wicked members of this family to death. And so their future, it's not very bright. But there's a glimmer. There's a glimmer because, and that glimmer has everything to do with God. He has chosen this family. He is working in this family. So no one will come away saying, I want my family to be like Jacob's family. But a lot of people will come away saying, I want Jacob's God to be my God. Because he's so gracious, so Jacob gathers his sons together for this one final act to bless them. And his blessing them shows us not only their future, but it shows us our future. It shows us where blessing is ultimately found. So if you have your Bible open to Genesis 49, let's begin reading in verse 1. This is God's word. Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble 
And listen, O sons of Jacob, listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, uh, my might and the firstfruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul not come into their counsel. O my glory, be not joined to their company, for in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brothers, shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness, who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Binding his foal to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine, and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall be at Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey crouching between the sheepfolds. He saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. So he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant at forced labor. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper in the path that bites the horse's heels so that its, his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, O Lord. Raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. Asher's food shall be rich, and he shall yield royal delicacies. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel." By the God of your Father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of your Father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, in the morning devouring the prey, 
and at evening dividing the spoil. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each of them with the blessing suitable to him. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you for this privilege this morning of gathering in your name. That we are not kept from gathering, but we are strengthened and brought together this morning to lift up your name and to fix our eyes on the giver of life. Lord, every good thing comes from you. And I pray this morning, Lord, that that would be the posture of our hearts of both hearing from you. Lord, it would not be a threatening thing to hear from you, but a desirable thing. I want to hear from God. I want my life to be transformed by the knowledge of God. I want to be like God in the ways that we were created in your image to be. And so, Lord, thank you for just this privilege this morning. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Lord, continue to meet the needs of our church body. Lord, I, I just lift up Eddie again to you. Just pray for his healing and rehabilitation. We look forward to the day he's walking unassisted once again. And Lord, we just now come to you and pray that you would grow bigger in our eyes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we dive into these final words of Jacob, where he's blessing his sons, we need to be reminded about this theme of blessing throughout the book of Genesis. Otherwise, this chapter will make very little sense. Genesis is largely about blessing. God blessing mankind. That's how the story begins in Genesis 1. God creates Adam and Eve and He blesses them and commands them to be fruitful and multiply. But very early on in that story, in our story, on account of sin, people are cut off from the blessing of God. Because of sin, they are cursed. That's the opposite of blessing. And so God curses the serpent. He curses the ground. He curses Cain after Cain kills his brother Abel. And so Genesis opens with creation and blessing, and very quickly it turns to curses. And so it was very surprising when you watch the flood And the scattering at the Tower of Babel, it's very surprising that in chapter 12, God chooses to bless Abram. He was not much better. He was a pagan who worshipped the moon, didn't know God. God chooses to reveal himself. God chooses to bless this man. And he takes God at his word. And God does exactly what He says He's going to do. And so He begins just laying out all of these promises of, I guess you could say, the form that the blessing is going to take. And so the blessing includes, if you're taking notes this morning, this would be on the slides, but I'll just say it out loud. The blessing includes the name, the name blessing. 
God says to Abraham in Genesis 12, 2, I will bless you and make your name great. So the blessing includes a name. The blessing includes a nation. Same, same verse, Genesis 12, 2. I will make of you a great nation, is what God says to Abraham. And this includes his chosen seed. The blessing includes a name, a nation, it includes land. And this is repeated throughout Genesis, but most clearly in Genesis 15, 7. The Lord says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. So a name, a nation, land. And lastly, the blessing includes being a conduit of blessing. Being a conduit of blessing. God says to Abraham, Genesis 12, 3, in you... All the families of the earth will be blessed. So God doesn't show up and say, hey, I'm going to bless everybody. I'm going to bless anybody who raises their hand. That's not what he does. He says, I'm going to bless one person. And in him and in his seed, I'm going to bring blessing to the world. And so if you are yoked to Abraham, you get the blessing of God. If you're not yoked to Abraham, you don't get the blessing of God. And so in Genesis, we then see a division that begins occurring. God blesses Isaac, but not Ishmael. And then we see, okay, sons of Isaac. He has two sons, Jacob and Esau. God blesses Jacob, but not Esau. And so now we're here with Jacob's 12 sons. Based on everything we've seen up to this point, who do we expect God to bless? Well, we expect Him. If He's going to bless anybody, He's going to bless one son. One of them is going to get this blessing, but that's the surprise that hits us. Look at verse 28 again. All these are the tribes, the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. So for the very first time, the blessing does not transfer from one person to another single son, but it It goes to all of them. They all inherit the name of Israel. They all together become a great nation. They together inherit the promised land. And through them together, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I mean, this is amazing grace. To receive any part of God's blessing, given who these men are and given what they've done. It is amazing grace. I mean, six of them, that would have been amazing. Twelve of them. But there's one aspect of the blessing that doesn't pass to all of them, and it's the blessing of the chosen seed. That passes to Judah. But as Jacob is conveying the blessings to each of his sons, we recognize, okay, while this is all grace, they're they're all being blessed, we recognize, you know, there are degrees here, though, of grace. So what do we learn from this chapter? If you're taking notes this morning, the first point would be that we are learning the reality of sin. The reality of sin. Jacob begins his blessing with his eldest son, Reuben, 
And though Reuben should be preeminent, and like the language like builds him up, builds him up, preeminent in dignity, unstable as water. Just the blow just comes. Over 40 years prior, Reuben took one of his father's concubines, and this was a signal that he planned to take over the family while his father was still alive. He's usurping his father's authority. Well, 40 years later, Jacob is still indignant. And he says, verse 4, He went up to my couch. He's indignant of what Reuben did. This is the reality of sin. There's violence. He, he mentions the violence of Simeon and Levi. Again, 40 years prior, they were rash. They were foolish. And now he says they have to be split up. So they, they don't get their singular inheritance in the promised land. They're going to be split up among the people of Israel when the land gets divided in the book of Joshua. And then there's worldly Zebulun and worldly Issachar. These brothers love the world. They were going after prime real estate and it cost them. The tribes of Zebulun, the tribe, the tribe of Zebulun, the tribe of Issachar are, were often attacked by their Canaanite neighbors. They wanted really good placement near the coast, near the, the Canaanite neighbors. And he says, okay, you want that? Well, Issachar, you're going to be like a strong donkey. Like a donkey that does labor for other people. Slave labor in exchange for that worldliness. And then there's treacherous Dan and treacherous Gad. Dan is supposed to be a judge in Israel, but instead it says he's like a serpent on the path. Striking people. Hurting them. Then there's dangerous Benjamin. He's compared to a ravenous wolf. That's not a positive picture. So here in the final words of Jacob, we encounter the reality of sin. Sin affects these men. And their sin is going to affect their descendants as well. You see, the passing of time doesn't fix things. But amazingly, each of these men is still part of God's people, still being receiving the blessing of God even as they suffer consequences for their sin. They're still given the opportunity to make God their God and to be His holy people. Now, woven in amongst the reality of sin is a second point, the reality of grace. So we have the reality of sin, the reality of grace. When we read Jacob's words to Reuben and then to Simeon and Levi, it makes his words to Judah all the more amazing. Because if everyone's sin is getting brought up from 40 years ago, um, Judah is notorious. He's got some notorious, he's got some obvious sin, and yet he receives over-the-top blessing. Look at verse 8 again. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. 
Now, if you remember back to Joseph's dream, he had a dream that his brothers were going to all bow down to him, and they did as he became second in command in Egypt. Well, that promise is now given to Judah. Judah, just like the brothers all bowed down to Joseph, they're going to all bow down to your descendant one day. Judah receives this promise that he's going to have prominence in the family of God. Verse 9, Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, or of the nations." So even though Judah's sin was severe and notorious, the coming king will come from his tribe. The forever king who will rule and nations will come and nations will bow down before him. Why why does Judah get this privilege? It's grace. It's staggering grace. And then Jacob just goes over the top. Look at verse 11. Here's what he describes the kingdom of this coming king being like. He says, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. These are words of extravagance. So I didn't know this, but as I did some study, a donkey tied to a grapevine, the donkey would eat the grapes and the leaves and leave the vine bare. That seems like a bad thing unless you are just so plentiful that it's no big deal. And that's the point here. Things are going to be so plentiful that he's going to, he doesn't just wash his garments in water. He's going to be able to wash his garments in wine because there's just so much of it. So much plenty, so much exuberance. So he says when the coming king comes, it's going to be like blowing your nose with $100 bills. Like that's what he's talking about. And he's pointing us to this rich abundance of the promised seed, and we know who that is. It is Jesus Christ. And we we see the reality of grace in him. One of Jesus' titles is the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. He's triumphed. He is the promised forever king. And this is the reality of God's grace to this family in general, but to Judah in particular. And you just say, well, but what has he done to deserve such a place of prominence? To be used by God in this way. Lord, don't, haven't you seen his life? He's like, yeah, I, I told you about his life. He knew it. It's the reality of grace. If he was deserving, it wouldn't be grace. It'd be, well, he was deserving. And so we see the reality of grace to Judah. We also see it in what's promised to Joseph. He says, Joseph will be like a fruitful bow. 
He was attacked by his brothers. He was attacked by Potiphar's wife. He was forgotten by the cupbearer. And yet we get this stacking of names. One commentator calls this the stacking of God's names here like the finale in a fireworks show. He says, the mighty one of Jacob, the shepherd, the stone of Israel, God of his father, Jacob, the almighty, rescued him. I mean, talk about showing up at a really low moment. And I'm just, you know, for all of those years, those 13 years, that Joseph was as a slave and a prisoner in Egypt, could he ever have imagined a day would come where the great reversal would take place and there would be abundance and blessing? I mean, he felt alone. He felt forgotten. He felt cursed. It seemed like living for the Lord was making no difference at all in his life. I don't know if you ever feel that way. And so he says, oh, this this mighty one showed up. The shepherd came. El Shaddai, the Almighty, the Stone of Israel, the God of Jacob, his father, showed up and everything changed. And so he promises him blessing. And then years later, verse 26, he says, The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the everlasting hills. And so he ends on a note of, it, it's just over the top. Look at what God has done. Look at his kindness to this family. These, these are the 12 tribes of Israel. We've seen lots of problems with them. And for there to be this outpouring of God's blessing upon them, a reversal, it's, it's just amazing. Now, what we've seen so far in Genesis is that blessing only comes through this family. I can't emphasize that enough. It only comes through this family. There is no blessing outside of this family. And so in order for someone to receive the blessing of God, any blessing of God, even a drop of blessing from God, you've got to be yoked to this family. You know, as my boys begin looking towards college and we've looked at the Bright Future Scholarship, one of the very first things it says for the Florida Bright Future Scholarship is you've got to be a Florida resident. Like all of this goodness that you're reading about, all the preparations you might do, don't apply to you if you are in Georgia. You've got to be a Florida resident. And so let me ask you, if you were to choose one of these tribes to be in, which would you choose? If it's Gad, then you get Gad's lot. Raiders shall raid Gad. If you're Issachar, you get Issachar's lot, forced labor. If you're in Simeon or in Levi, you get divided up. If you're in Reuben, you get demoted But to be blessed, you got to be in someone. Well, this passage powerfully points us to the blessing that is in 
Christ Jesus. Because Genesis 49 is not a story that has nothing to do with you or me. Like just, hey, we're just reading about this story. Oh, great, good for them. No, this is a story of where all blessing is ultimately found. It is found in Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of Isaac, the son of Jacob, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Everyone who aligns themselves with Jesus, who trusts in Jesus alone, is in Christ Jesus. And the Bible goes to great lengths to tell us of the blessing that is found in Christ Jesus. Just like there was no blessing outside the family of Abraham, there is no blessing outside of Jesus Christ. One has to be in Christ Jesus. So Ephesians 1.3 is one of these verses that tells us what this means. It says in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So this is what Genesis 49 points to. Every spiritual blessing for those that are in Christ Jesus. We get the blessing of adoption into God's family. We get the blessing of our sins forgiven by the blood of Christ. We get knowledge of God. We get the promised Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us and empower us. It's the fulfillment of everything that was promised to Abraham is now only fulfilled in Jesus. You see, all of those categories, when I mentioned the name and the nation and the land and being a conduit of blessing to others, that's what happens in Jesus and in Jesus alone. So in Jesus, we get the name blessing. Revelation 3.12 says, he says this, he says, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven, and my own new name. That's Jesus. He's given the name above every name. And it says when we're in him, when we're united with him, he says, I'm going to write on you my name. You're marked by him. In Christ, we get the name blessing. In Christ, we get the nation blessing. You know, when 1 Peter 2 says we become a holy nation, a people for his own possession. I mean, that, that's a game changer, church. The nation blessing. That means what you and I see playing out on the world stage and playing out in the news is of very little consequence. Like, it really doesn't matter what is going on in the United States or in China or in Israel. What matters so much is that the promised blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob comes to us. 
through faith. And we're ushered into that nation promise. It says in Galatians 3.9, So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Those who are of faith. In Christ, we get the nation blessing, the name blessing. We also get the land blessing. Not a physical nation here now, but we just heard it in Revelation. The city of God. Not the current Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. The new heavens, the new earth. A city that is not going to perish. And then just as God said, I'm going to bless all the nations through you. Well, that now happens in Jesus Christ. And so church, over and over again, it is these incredible blessings. And they are found in Christ. Related, united to Him by faith. It's as though we are joining the tribe of Jesus Christ. Where we find ourselves receiving everything that was promised. And it is incredible. What we deserve is a curse. What we get is a blessing. Every spiritual blessing. How can that be? Galatians 3 tells us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. So who gets the curse? Jesus. And He bears that onto Calvary's cross, bearing all of our sin, all of our judgment, all of our wrong, the wrath of God against us. He, he bore that. And who gets the blessing? We do. By faith, faith alone, we receive this free, abundant, over-the-top blessing. All who have faith in Jesus. And so sin, it's still a reality in our lives, just like it was a reality amongst the sons of Jacob, but sin does not get the final word. And I I just love the difference in Jacob here at the end of chapter 49 from where he was before, uh, 17 years before, when he was 130, he stood before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked him about his life, and he said, well, let me tell you, my days have been few and evil. Do you remember that? He, He seemed to be turned in on himself. He seemed to not be able to see God's abundant blessing in his life. And he was all focused on what other people did to him. Well, look at verse 26 again says, the blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. Previously, Jacob could only see the sin against him, but now he's able to see what his blessing really is and has been all along. He says, I've not only been best richly, 
I've been blessed more than my parents, more than Abraham, more than Isaac. He says, I've been blessed with eternal blessings up to the everlasting hills. So we're talking about eternal blessings. And so he, he comes into this realization And so, church, I want to point out this morning, when we fast forward in the Bible, we realize our blessings are even greater than His. What kind of joy should we have coming in and recognizing, wait a second, I didn't just get some of the spiritual blessings or most of the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. I have been, we have been, All who have faith in Christ have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so being blessed in Christ Jesus, that's a mighty blessing. And so let me ask you this morning, are you aware of that? Does it wow you? Does it comfort you? You know, we often go after things because we see blessing in them. You know, you look at every pursuit of our lives. It's about, ooh, I see blessing over there. Let me go after it. Oh, I see blessing in that. Let me go after it. Oh, I see the blessing of escaping pain. Let me go after that. We're, we're constantly like hounds seeking blessing. Wholeness, peace, joy, spiritual richness. And we're told you have it. And you have it all in Christ. Everything that we need as God does not treat people as their sins deserve, but takes the privilege that Jesus uniquely has and says, it's now yours. It's now mine. And like a bride who takes her husband's name, we take on his name. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I'm in Christ. You know, in Christ is the favorite designation for the Christian in the New Testament. More than believer, more than Christian. You want to know what a Christian is? A Christian is somebody who's in Christ Jesus. You know, perhaps you're here today and you hear about this, wow, this over-the-top blessing. Yeah, sounds good. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I I feel like I'm actually cursed. Uh, You look at how long I've been in the hospital, or you look at how long I've been sick, or you look at how many hard things I've had to go in my life. I mean, I'm looking at some unbelievers, some non-Christians. They look like they're living the blessed life. It brings us back to our comfort, church. This is our comfort. We are blessed. We have been blessed recognize it or not. And actually, when we're not recognizing it, it's because we're blind to it. We have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Everything we need is found in Him. And so I titled this message, Blessed in Christ. And that's where the blessings of Genesis 49 point us. you got to align with someone, some family, some tribe, in order to get this blessing. There's no blessing outside of it. And it finds its fulfillment in Christ Jesus. If I could invite the worship team.
to return. Church, when we see, when we recognize, when our eyes are open, that we have received this over-the-top extravagant blessing, church, it comforts us and it motivates us. I mean, we found the forever king. We're not wondering, who is this king to whom the scepter will never depart? Who is this king that the obedience of the nations are going to to flock to? We know exactly who this is. He, Jesus, is the forever king, and his kingdom has broken into the world. One day it will be finalized when he returns. So yes, we suffer now. But church, what's about to occur is going to be like blowing your nose with $100 bills. Extravagance, bounty, richness, blessing. Every, us looking and saying, I've got everything I've ever needed in Jesus Christ. Why, why did I fret? Why did I worry? Why did I complain? Why did I despair? I have everything in Him. And so come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and receive in Christ every spiritual blessing. Yes, we will suffer with Him, but we will reign with Him for all eternity. Let's pray. Lord, just to even talk about this richness is just staggering. Because of the gulf between what we deserve and what we receive. Thank you for being so generous to bless anyone. Much less to fold us into this line of blessing by faith. And I pray this morning, Lord, for any who do not know Christ. Who are outside of Christ. They're without Christ. A worse state cannot be conceived. But Lord, there is nothing greater. There is no greater state or status that we could ever have than to be in Christ and in Him with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Lord, help us to glory in this. Help us to be comforted in this. Help us to share this with other people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.